So, I want to talk today about um, a deeply complicated subject. Um, and it's about just the understanding that we all have an inner man and we all have an outer man. How many of you know we're not a human being having a spiritual experience? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we need to understand and learn to live life in light of eternity from that particular perspective. It changes everything. So just bearing this in mind, you have an inner man, that's your spirit, and you have an outer man, that's your flesh. We can call it a lot of different things. But how many of you know your inner man and your outer man are in conflict with each other? They're inclined in opposite directions. Agreed? How many of you struggle with your flesh? Can I just see? Raise your hand if you struggle with your flesh. All right, some of you struggled with your flesh just now and raising your hand. You're like, I don't want to admit it. Uh, don't let your flesh win, okay? That's the big key. We want to conquer the flesh. We're going to talk about that today and how to go about that. And um, I thought this was just a beautiful expression of how this unfolded. This week, um, we, you know, our family, we do family devotions, and we just get together and talk about where are we reading in Scripture. We do turn the page, and every day just turn one page and, you know, Go through the entire portion of Scripture, and you have dates at the top of the page, and in the conclusion, you have this heirloom to leave to your children, your children's children. I'm learning every three years or so, you'll actually finish a Bible that way, and you do that over the course of 30 years. You've got a lot of uh, Bibles, so you might want to go through them more than once. But, but uh, our family, we're talking about, all right, my, our, our two girls, Tracy, Faith, Lexi, and I were talking about, you know, where are we reading? And Lexi shared something. And man, it just really struck me. I, I mean, I've been thinking about it ever since. So Lexi, our oldest, or our youngest daughter, she um, took these Spanish classes, and she has a real heart to learn to speak Spanish. So after her classes concluded, she just launched into this, this app called Duolingo. Have you ever heard of this? And so it's just an app. Every day you go on, and you do a little bit of practice. And, um, and after you do it, you know, a number of days in a row, then it starts telling you what your, your streak is. How many days streak? Like every day, you've not missed a single day, you have this many days in a streak. And so she did that for like 30 days straight. 30 days straight, didn't miss a day, and then 60 days, and then 90 days, and six months, and a year, and two years. Um, she actually had 978 day streak going. That's a lot. She was, I mean, she was telling us this at the dinner table, and I was like, my goodness, girl, you're working on three years not missing a single day. I mean, no, that's commitment. That's devotion. And she said, um, you know, I was studying for a test, <clears throat> staying up a little bit late. I had to get up early. She said, I went in my room, and I realized I need to, to do turn the page. I need to read my Bible, but I don't really have time. So she said she kind of put her Bible aside, got ready for bed, and found herself making sure she didn't lose her 978-day streak in Duolingo. And as she's working, at looking at this Duolingo, calling it up, her inner person, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, began, there began to be this conversation. And she said, it was just like the Lord started asking me, why is it you don't have time to spend time with me in the Word but you have time to get on this app. 978 days. I mean, no, that's a lot of days. And she said, just out of a sense of wanting to obey the Lord, she said, I broke that streak. I put my phone aside, and I actually read my Bible. 
I mean, that, that was, she gave up like almost a three-year streak. I was so, I mean, you know, I was a proud dad. And then the, what she went on to say, though, was really hilarious because she said the next night she hadn't thought much more about it, and she opens up her Bible to read her Bible, and her phone dings at the very time she opens her Bible. It was Satan calling her is what it was. She opened up her Bible, her phone dings, and she looked at her phone, and it said... From the app, a notification, your streak was so long, we don't want you to lose it. If you'll come back now, we had a streak freeze, and you, it'll be like you never stopped uh, your daily streak. Wow. She said, the Bible, the phone, she said, Dad, I just stared at my phone. How many of you can relate to that moment of, you know, I mean, it's just like she was staring at the phone. She felt like the Lord had told her to do this, and now she's staring at her phone. And I mean, I'm hearing her tell the story, and I'm thinking, don't lose your 978-day streak. Let's get, I mean, you're almost 1,000. How many cool would that be, like 1,000? And she said, I just stared at the phone. And she said, I just realized, this is really the Lord convicting me. And she said, I deleted the app altogether. And it just, it really struck me. I've just thought about it a lot. What really matters in this life? Let me ask you, maybe more importantly, what really matters to you? What are the things that really matter to you? What are the things that you prioritize? And are you listening to what the Lord might be saying as he's speaking to your inner man, your inner person, your spirit, about what it really means to walk with God in light of eternity? So it's interesting because we've been talking about the table of the Lord and, and mobilizing people to more personal ministry. And that's the goal. That's the heart. That's what, you know, what we're really after seeing true disciples, make disciples, stepping more into that uh, just relational ministry for all of us in every way. That's the table of the Lord coming to his table. And then we started in this month of October to see this contrast of the table of the Lord as what's described in Scripture as the table of demons. Now, we, we live in a time where it's just not a lot of conversation about demonic stuff going on. There's not a lot of um, you know, preaching on that. That's not exactly politically correct. It's a little you know, out there. But let me just make it very clear. We're going to see a few more Scriptures today. But spiritual activity of light and darkness, it's really important that you understand that is going on. How many of you understand there's more going on around you than you realize? How many of you know that if you could see everything that was going on around you, it would probably blow you away? And we need to be paying attention to what is the Lord's revealing. So here's where we read Paul writing about the table of demons, just for a reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So what we will see with this is the table of demons actually serves the appetites of the flesh. That's what the table of demons is all about. It's awakening that outer man. It's feeding, on, uh, feeding and feasting on that whole element of the outer man. And, and really... God is trying to take us to a place where we, we just come from a deeper place in our own lives. And last week, we talked about how Jesus was having this conversation with Peter, and Peter was giving him a really justifiable, logical uh, encouragement. I don't want anything bad to happen to you, Lord. We're not going to put up with this whole thing going to the cross. And what did Jesus say to him? I mean, it's just really a <clears throat> very intense statement. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's just, that's a pretty wild statement. Don't you agree? Like, that's intense. 
Like, get behind me, Satan. What was going on was Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, Peter was being given to that which was logical, that which was practical, that which was understandable, and that which was demonic all at the same time. And you just have to understand that the table of the enemy is very justifiable in many ways. You'll be able to logically wrestle this down. I mean, after all, guys, it's 978 days streak. This is important. I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It's totally logical. I even found myself wanting her to do that. And then I realized it was like God was wanting to teach her something deeper in that moment than even what I could comprehend because I wasn't thinking in the correct perspective. And I've just looked at that and thought about that from myself. Come on, God wants to take every one of us in this room into a deeper place where he is activating and awakening something supernatural from within that flows out of who we are, that transforms the world around us in powerful, powerful fashion and form. You have that in you. you, you that's, that's your design by God. So what we have to be very careful about is not just being given to human ambition and earthly wisdom. And that's the title of today. We're going to just continue in this idea, human ambition and earthly wisdom. It is entirely possible to rally misplaced emotional energy around ambitions that grieve the Holy Spirit. It is entirely possible to wind people up emotionally and, and, and access that energy that actually is misplaced spiritually and we're not even really aligning with the things that matter to God. How many of you know there are a lot of things that we think that matter that God might not think are so important? I, I feel like there's probably going to be a space and time where we step into eternity once this life is over and we're going to see things from a little different standpoint. I think some of the things that we've thought have been really important, I think we're going to suddenly understand those things probably weren't so important important. And I think some of the things that we think now really aren't all that important, I think in that moment in, t in eternity, we're actually going to realize those things are truly important. How many of you want to avoid eternal regret as much as possible and get some of this figured out now? I understand regret because I live in regret in certain areas of my life, but boy, there's temporal regret and there is eternal regret, and I want to lessen eternal regret every chance I get. I want to learn what God desires and walk that out as best I can. So what we're, what we're really focusing in on and praying into in this particular season, Lord, lessen our reaction, deepen our response. Lord, lessen our reaction, deepen our response. I don't, I don't want us to uh, allow our reactions to take control. Would you agree with that? We want to have a response to God, even when the reaction of humanity around us, whether that's in my marriage, whether that's driving down the road, whether that's circumstances that hit me the wrong way, I don't want to live in a state of reaction to humanity. I want to learn to live in a place of response response to God Almighty. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. These people that want to throw me off a cliff and they want to stone me to death and they're coming to take my life, I'm not even living in reaction to them. I'm simply living in response to God. And my Father God will put his hand upon me and I'll walk through crowds of people that are trying to kill me and they will not even find me when I'm paying attention to what he's desiring to reveal. This is what we see in Scripture. 
Are we willing to live our lives in such a way that our outer man is broken so that our inner man can emerge? Because I'll tell you this, the stronger your outer man is, the weaker your inner man is. And it's very naturally supernatural for your inner man to emerge when your outer man has been dealt with. There are a lot of Christians in the world that we live in today that are containing the power of God in their unbroken life. And the more broken they become, the more the anointing begins to come out. The more broken we become, the more the anointing spills out of our lives. Are we willing to live broken lives or are we just constantly trying to make sure that we have the most comfortable disposition possible? So we read this earthly wisdom. I mean, it's so confusing because it's so logical and you know, the, the Bible speaks very clearly that this can get us in a state of confusion if we're not paying attention to the wisdom of God. And James 3, once again, speaks of this wisdom of the world. And, and it defines it, again, in these spiritual terms. It's important that we see this, James 3, 15 to 17. Wisdom that does not come from above is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. <laughs> pretty wild, isn't it? Like, we better think about this. We better pay attention to what's being revealed here. Wisdom that does not come from above is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure then peace-loving. Will you hear the contrast of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven? Pure, peace-loving, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. What a contrast. What a contrast between these two. Like, Peace-loving, gentle, full of mercy versus strap on your swords, boys. Let's go take control of this situation. How many of you don't like that turn the other cheek part of the gospel? Can anybody, like, have you ever turned the other cheek and they slapped you again? Any, that ever happened? Like, I've had people, I turn the other cheek, they slap me. I turn the other cheek, they slap me. And I think, I only have four cheeks and they slapped them all. I'm not sure what to do at this point in time. I mean, you understand, there's this feeling sometimes like, is this really what God's asking of me? This, is this really the kingdom of God? Like, isn't the kingdom of God? Let's get rip-roaring ready and go out and strap on our swords and take control of the situation. But Jesus is standing there, and Peter's got out his sword, and he's chopped off the guy's ear. And what does Jesus say? Peter, put your sword back. I'm not trying to lead an earthly revolt. He said, listen, when somebody steals your coat, forbid them not to take your cloak also. How many of you are, I mean, when somebody does you wrong, right, it's like the immediate pursuit of, of battling against this injustice just rises up within us. And, and is that a reaction of our external, or are we responding to the Lord? Because I'm just telling you, I'm not very good at, at doing that. I don't know about you. I'm not very good at doing that. When I see injustice of any kind, I immediately can provide an immediate reaction, justify every step of the way. It's logical. I can explain it. I can, just, I can even give you a Bible verse here or there that can absolutely... And I'm just wondering, is that really what the Bible is saying is demonic? 
Because it's born of a reaction rather than a response. Born of a human reaction rather than a spiritual response. I mean, it was, it was the rule of law in Roman territory that anybody that was around a Roman citizen would be required if a citizen said to them, you will carry this, whatever they're needing to be transported, you will carry this for, for me uh, to, from one location to the next. And you know, the rule of law actually was you had to walk for a full mile carrying whatever it was they were needing transported. This is where the whole thing comes up where Jesus said, go the extra mile. What he's saying is, when they require of you to carry something for a mile, do it in such a way that you're responding to the Father, not reacting in anger to the oppression of the, of the government that we're under, but rather respond to the Father. And once the mile is concluded, offer to go the extra mile, go another mile. I mean, come on, this is the kingdom of God. The Messiah was known to be a descendant of Israel's most pronounced military leader, King David. He's part of the legacy of King David, Israel's most pronounced military leader. Do you understand? The Jews were looking for this Messiah. The Jews were looking for real action. The Jews were frustrated by this oppressive government that they were facing and dealing with. The Jews wanted a Messiah that was going to show up and bring some real action, not this love your neighbor nonsense. Maybe that's why they missed what God was doing in the moment in time when he brought the Messiah. Maybe you and I better learn from that and pay attention because when we get in a flurry of reactions to anything going on in our lives, perhaps we're totally missing what God is desiring to do. What I'm saying is, you and I are born of God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is more powerful than any earthly kingdom. Rather than stirring up a flurry of reactions, maybe we should pray into a situation and see how God wants us to respond. Be spirit-led in the way we approach whatever the battles are, understanding that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But we actually battle against these principalities, these rules. Come on, there's some stuff going on around you right now, spiritually, that you need to arrest in the power of the Spirit, claiming the blood of Jesus against the enemy, declaring at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, standing fully clothed in the armor of God, proclaiming, Satan, get your hands off of my children's minds, off of their emotions. I'll take back finances. I'll declare that I'm breaking into more of what God is desiring for me to break into in this world. Come on. If you're not addressing things on a spiritual level and you're only battling on a natural level, then you're not going to beat anybody. The spirit realm came first. The natural realm came second. This is the order of the battle. Battle first in the spirit realm. I'm not opposed to addressing things in the natural. I'm serving this appointment that requires me to interface with politicians. I'm going to be at the state capitol building uh, this week working to 
make some decisions in regard to how they are going to be funded and so on. It's a, I have no idea how I got involved in this, how it landed in my lap, but, but I'm simply saying I'm going, to, I'm going to go early as I walk through the state capitol building and I'm going to walk through those floors and declare the wisdom of God is prevailing in this place. The kingdom of God is breaking in to this state capitol building where we're trying to make decisions. I declare the wisdom of God will prevail. I actually actually have been appointed to be the chairman of the board that I'm working with now. So I believe that's significant, sitting in a posture in a place that says, Jesus' wisdom will prevail in the state capitol building in the state of Oklahoma, where I-35 and I-40 form across in the heart of the nation. I believe God wants to do something significant. Are we fighting in the right realm before we start fighting in the natural realm? <laughs> I read about this Armenian nurse who was a, a nurse in the military. She got captured, she and her brother. And the Turks were holding them captive. And in front of her, a man beat her brother literally to death. Captives in this war. And she watches her brother beaten to death. Later, she somehow escaped. And she continued to serve as a nurse in a, a hospital scenario on the battlegrounds. She's there working, and they bring in a wounded prisoner of war from the other side. And it was the very man that she watched beat her brother to death right before her eyes, assigned to her. She described how everything within her screamed vengeance. As a medical professional, this person whose life was hanging in the balance, she could have easily done a few things to help his life no longer hang in the balance without most likely being detected. How sweet the revenge after watching this person beat her brother to death. But she didn't. She nursed the man back to health. When the man came to consciousness, he immediately recognized who she was. And he said to her, why didn't you let me die after what I did to you? And this was her response. She said, I am a follower of him who said, love your enemies. And his life was eternally impacted as that broke through an outer shell making an impact beyond what any of us can comprehend. How many of you know it takes a real strength to be able to do what I just described? And that strength doesn't come from the outer man, sheer determination, grit, I'm going to honor God. There's something broken about your outer man that allows the true power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to emerge out of your broken life. And then you're able to do things you simply cannot do on your own through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let love be your argument. Your enemies will be left speechless. God's kingdom is a kingdom of love. Let love be your argument. Lord, lessen our reactions. Deepen our response.
Clara Barton's the founder of the American Red Cross, and one of her friends once brought up something really cruel someone had done to her. Barton dismissed the conversation as if she didn't even remember. And her friend, very frustrated, knowing the scenario, the situation, very aggressively said, don't you remember this terrible wrong that was done against you? And Clara Barton's response, it's been something I've rehearsed for years. She said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. How many of you have been wronged by somebody before? Can I just say like wrong? Like somebody really loves you sometimes will really wrong you. In fact, the people you love the most can hurt you the deepest. And I want to just say, you've got to learn to walk in a state of graciousness rather than vengeance if you're going to allow the true power that exists within you to emerge out of your lives. Do not live in a state of reaction. You were designed by God to to be living in a place of great response. There are battles that need to be fought in the natural realm. I want you to know that. I understand that. There are battles that need to be fought in the natural realm. All I'm saying is don't fight those battles in a framework of reactionary fighting. Some people are fighting battles they shouldn't even be fighting. Some people are simply fighting battles that they didn't pray about, so they're not fighting battles they're going to win. It all needs to be born from the Spirit. There are a lot of things going on in our world right now. There are a lot of battles. I know some of you are facing just from conversations and interactions that we've had. I'm simply saying this. If you're dealing with things in your life, whether it's your career, whether it's your children, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, whatever it may be, fight First, in the spirit realm, what was the order? The spirit realm existed, and out of that then came the natural realm. So first, address things spiritually, and then begin to function naturally in the natural realm out of the direction that the Lord gives you. Because what you, what you have to understand, even in a moment of even telling these stories of forgiveness, how many of you are better at vengeance than you are at grace? Can I just say you're better at that? I mean, I'm really good at vengeance. I am. It just comes so naturally. That's the point. We're born and designed to live supernaturally. That which comes natural is born from the human nature. But the, the Selah, the pause and consider, is where you learn a spiritual response beyond a human reaction. The table of demons will serve up the finest tasting vengeance you could ever possibly imagine. But once you've had your fill you will find yourself curiously empty, even more so than you were before. So what I've learned over the course of time, and it's been really interesting, because I kind of thought, well, in fact, there was this really uh, unique experience I had. You know, I came out of a nonsense background, you know, became a Christian a little bit later in life. And like there's this abundant grace that came upon me when I gave my life to Christ. Can anybody relate to that? Like if you were saved as a child and you've grown up in church, you might not have that frame of reference. But I mean there was an abundance, like almost a protective bubble of grace around me. I was, I was strung out on drugs. I had overdosed twice. Suddenly this protective grace was around me. Like I didn't continue to struggle with drugs. Just in my situation, that was the way it happened. It's like the Lord instantly delivered me. And I, had a, I was a very organized um, drug taker. I had a, 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 a fishing 
tackle box. And, and I opened my box and I had the different pills in the different compartments. I've always been a very organized person. And so uh, I invited all my friends over who had, did drugs with me uh, after I met the Lord. And our, our, window, our windows had beer cans, you know, and pyramids all the way up and a wall of cans behind them. And we had, it was the days of beer tabs, you know, you pull off the tabs. Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about because you have no idea about beer. But anyway, there used to be these tabs. You pull them off and we would link the tabs together. And they went from the corner of the rooms of my house. I mean, we were a party place, and, 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 and I suddenly come to Christ, and there's this bubble of grace that's over me, and so I invite all my friends over, and when they come over, I am actually crushing the cans, which I went and sold to help me buy a Bible. <laughs> that was interesting, but I, I took the tackle box. I said, hey, come in here, and they all kind of stood in the hallway, and I opened up my, my tackle box full of drugs, and I dumped it all in the toilet right there with them all watching, and they gasped. And I flushed the toilet, and I said, I'm a new man. I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I wanted to tell you all about him today. And, and they were all standing there like, why did you do that? Like, you could tell us about Jesus, and you could have given us, you know, you didn't have to get rid of it. You understand, the, the problem is what happens is we rally around these sometimes carnal dispositions, even that we can get people stirred up into. And the fact is that there's this grace that exists over us, and in the process of that grace, then it started to lift a little, a little at a time. I had somebody explain it to me once, like when a baby is first born, the parent carries the baby in, the, in their arms. But if, if the parent keeps carrying the baby until their adult life, then the baby never learns to walk. And I found myself sometimes being, kind of feeling like I was falling down. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, God, where's your grace? It's like he's saying, I want you to be strong. It's time for you to be strong on your own. You can't just always rely on the grace of God to, to sustain any moment in time. Sometimes you've got to rise up and let your inner man start to be strengthened so that you are prepared for the storms that are ahead so that you can lead other people into those storms in a way that they will find victory themselves. And this, this battle of what was going on inside and the outer man, you know, that I was so in conflict. And, and I realized when I read this verse of Scripture, 2 Samuel 3, 1, it says, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Saul speaks of the flesh. David speaks of the spirit. That's the picture. The war between the spirit and the flesh, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. Man, I wanted it like to be over. I got saved and I wanted it to be over. Anybody like that? How many of you are still struggling? Like, what's going on? Why am I still, why are these still at, at odds with each other? It lasted a long time. And David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. In the spirit, we're growing stronger and stronger while the flesh is growing weaker and weaker. So I say, live by the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. So your spirit grows stronger and stronger and your flesh grows weaker and weaker and the power of God begins to emerge out of your life and there begins to be something of substance and value that you carry to the world around you. The fullness of God is being poured out into your life that you cannot contain and it begins to overflow into every circumstance around you. Come on, would you stand I want to read Ephesians 3 over you one more time as the worship team comes.
I want to release this over you. This is the prayer from the Apostle Paul. It's what we read when we first came out of worship. Let me ask this question. Apostle Paul, like, can you imagine how many of you would love it if, if the Apostle Paul could come and he would stand down here and he would pray for each of you? Wouldn't that be incredible? How many of you think the Lord might answer his prayer? The power that he, I mean, the, the, oh, the brokenness of this man, the power that came out of him. This portion of Scripture is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And it wasn't just for the disciples of his day. He was praying for the church. You and I become the answer to the prayer. God motivated him to pray when we respond to his word. So we just receive this as the Apostle Paul's prayer over us. I pray. That's where he starts. Ephesians 3, 16 and 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Would you just, would you just open your heart? Maybe just stretch your hands out before him. Would you just receive this in a disposition that says, I receive what God is desiring for me to understand and comprehend and, and, and even just impartation of his word today. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You hear the love, the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge beyond our wildest imagination. This love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, we thank you that you are filling us with all the fullness of God, strengthening our inner man that begins to quickly and easily emerge as our outer man is broken and we're surrendered before you in a posture of humility, learning to embrace a lifestyle that follows the fear of the Lord as our way of life. We stand, Lord, in a posture of being completely surrendered and submitted to you rather than providing our best human reaction. Lord, we want to pause and consider and give a spiritual powerful response that's born in the origin of heaven out of the spirit realm in Jesus mighty name come on if you don't know Jesus then you are not spiritually alive and you simply can't function from any force of an inner man when your spirit man has not yet come to life. When Adam and Eve died, their spirit died. Their body was alive. But Jesus came and he lived and he died. And he's risen from the grave as the Savior of the world to rescue us from our sin 
and to bring us from death to life, where we once again are spiritually alive as God purposed in the original expression of humanity, where Adam and Eve would walk with God in a conversational relationship day in and day out as their way of life. Maybe you're here or you're online with us right now and you say, you know, I'm, I'm not, not sure I really have surrendered to Christ. I'm not sure I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity in this moment. Come on, would you just surrender to Him? If you're in this room and you say, I'm not sure I'm even walking with God, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, if you're online, if you'll just post something in that comment field and we'll be able to respond. Anybody here, I'm just not sure I'm walking with God. Lord, we just give you thanks. The most important decision any of us could make is the decision of eternity. We acknowledge together Jesus is Lord. You are the Son of God, born of a virgin. You lived 33 years on this planet. Your life matters and your death matters and you were buried in the grave, but you're alive because you never sinned. We give you thanks. You came to rescue all humanity. Come on, as an expression of your faith, would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for all he's done to save and rescue, redeem your life. I am so deeply grateful, so deeply grateful for the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I want to just encourage you as we just take a moment just to worship with what the Lord has stirred in our hearts today. Part of our assignment is just to take, it's not going to be long, but it's important that we do something with what God has revealed. Just that was God's stirring and awakening. Let's bring it to Him in worship as an expression before the Lord our God. And I want to just say, it's really important that you understand. You are not designed to live your life alone. In fact, it is not good for man to be alone. So December the 1st is going to be a special evening where we celebrate those who serve as a part of our church family. But it's also an evening where we will welcome to the family those in the course of the previous year that have decided, you know what, I want to be a member of Destiny Family. I want to be a part of this family. And so if you're interested in that, you want to know more about what that's about, then fill out a Connect card. You'll hear the details of how to, you know, text the number or get the card in just a bit. But if you'll put that on there, we want to meet with you personally, have a conversation with you about on your life and how we can walk that out together as family. It's an important decision to make. It's a spiritual decision to make. So Lord, I pray that as we learn to move beyond reactions to a place of deeper response in every decision that we're considering, contemplating, and making, we're actually designed by God to be living in that place of interaction with you. Literally every decision is simply a discussion that we're having with God, our Heavenly Father. I pray that would be the expression of our worship as well, Lord, as we interact with you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's take just a few moments, really engage our hearts. This is we worship the Lord before we're dismissed.